that there'd be plenty of newspapers with plenty of different people controlling them, so that there's a variety of viewpoints, so that there's a choice for the public. And you shouldn't be trying to turn this into a subsequent media circus. Good morning, sir. How are you? Wunderschönen guten Morgen. How are you, everyone? Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Came in a bit hot there. <laughs> but how are you? Are you good? It's 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 the depressing day, so I've got to try and lift the mood of the of my little hidey hole. That Why I'm is in. it depressing? What's wrong? Oh, it's just you know coming coming into winter, mate. It's oh, pale right. as hell yeah. all the time. Yeah, that is Terrible sad. Pale. I am so rising. excited, Tom. This is going to be my first summer in like a year and a half. Oh I'm well, so you're excited. Lucky, no. I've been pale and sickly looking for the past year. So sad. Yeah, I remember the first time I did a European winter, and I, and I, I, I your skin goes paper thin, so you can see mm. all your veins, and you look like some fish or something. I can't believe this. This is not how I'm meant to look, and I've never stopped looking like that. Oh well, I don't well, look like well, that Zeb, all the time. <laughs> Zeb is Zeb is glowing. He is I glowing right imagine. now. Am I? Yeah, you always glow. Glow with love. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, leave it in. It's cute. No, it's, no, leave it in. I it's insist. Cute. It's cute. <laughs> um, hello, welcome to Opheads. My name is Coward. Oh, that's it? Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rachel. <laughs> let's, do that. let's do that one more time. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Updates. My name is Coward Thomas James Keith Hunter Huntington. <laughs> Hi, Coward. I'm Rachel. Charles is next. 109 Berlin. I'm oh. home between the hours of uh, <laughs> all the time. Always home. My the door's always unlocked. My door's <laughs> always open to work. Welcomed, wandering Welcome stranger. All, all, of our, all of our fans come, come and knock. Do you remember when Mac DeMarco did that? Yes, And then yes. in, at the end of an album he went, what, 105, blah, blah, way, New Jersey, come on. And then everyone was like, and then two days later, was like, please stop coming to my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why would you do that? That's so stupid. Because he's a chill guy. he's just too chill. He's too it's chill. not that chill. Hey man, he's very, pretty chill. I know like eight people that have done MDMA with him. Yeah, I know, which there is ridiculous. Go, <laughs> Anyways, maybe, okay, fine. Let me slap him on the ass, man. Guys, we <laughs> haven't even gotten to introducing Zeb yet. Like, ah, be- right, get, begin fine. again. <laughs> oh yeah, well no, I'm 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 Zeb. Uh, you can find me at uh, one <laughs> Avenue West Hobart. <laughs> Zeb, I'm home all the time. Zeb, what's I'm your pin code, moment. Zeb? What are you doing? <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> Guys, you're Come on, crazy. You have to stay. <laughs> Stop it. Welcome to Opheads. Opheads is a podcast about, oh God, fucking hell, I don't know. Uh, deconstructing the ways in which we consume and something, news media. Consume, absorb, <laughs> consume, absorb and relay news media. Well, I'm going to sum it up much better. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Opeds. Opeds is a podcast centered on deconstructing the ways in which we as individuals accept, approach, consume, and process news media. News media. And explores where our opinions <laughs> and perspectives actually come from. Where do they come from? Um, so today we're talking about uh, the Test Kitchen um, YouTube 
bon department Appetit. of the Bon Appetit magazine and all the scandals. So uh, how much of, before we get into the scandal and what happened and what it is, how informed do you guys feel like you are on, on this subject? Well, yeah, I think I feel like I started watching Bon Appetit like at some point last year and it was mostly just Bradley Owen that I was watching and uh, mm. I just thought it was real cute. I don't know. It was just an easy, easy thing to watch and I, I yeah, I don't know. It seemed nice. I thought I really had ever thought about it. And then the, the, um, the scandal I thought was pretty foul, you know, I was happy that the dude was sacked and I was like unsure of what was going to happen. I was pretty interested to see how it would go. Yeah, well, I um, I guess I didn't really know that much about Bon Appetit except for all of my friends in New York would always like mm. hashtag their meals Bon Appetit, and I'm like, are you just telling me Bon ah. Appetit? Like, what what is this joke? And then um, <laughs> I realized that it was yeah this show that they all watched, and it was like a huge thing. And then I watched some Bradley Owen with um Zeb, but then I've heard about the scandal through a friend of mine, Claire. She told me, because she's obsessed with Bon Appetit, and mm. she was telling me about it. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I did a little bit of, like, you know, Instagram scrolling and just saw that it was shit. It was terrible. Like, yeah, treating your POCs, that's really, really bad. I had this very sort of explosive relationship with it because I, I never never heard of it once, and then – it was, you know, when the, those the certain things I found during like the the initial uh, Corona quarantine this year that I got into like just hard, like and Bon Appetit was one of the main ones. Like Bon Appetit's a magazine from New York; it's like a food magazine, and then they started YouTube series and kind of with like uh, were making just pretty standard, uh, you know, shareable yeah, they were cooking doing the, videos, like tasty ripoff things, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. overhead camera. Yeah, and then and then kind of like because they had some sort of colorful New York characters uh started like getting the people uh more like the chefs more invested with their personality in the show and it kind of blew up big time and had a whole huge following. It's like three or four pretty famous people and then a couple of like sort of side characters and like I think the main thing that came across from the show was like uh, especially with the fandom, which is that like, oh, they're like a very sweet family. That's enough of goofy kind of characters, you know. Yeah, it kind of feels like The Office at times. That's what people sweet. always compare it to, which I annoys me. Uh, fandoms annoy me, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can all agree on that. A lot of like the the sort of white chefs tended to have their own shows and were paid more, and a lot of the people of color who were very integrally involved in the show and in the dynamics and and talked to a lot about their expertise as chefs didn't have their own shows and were kind of these sort of background pop in characters. Um, and so that's kind of how it sort of worked was like you would watch one episode, but they might talk to Zola, for example, for kind of like continually throughout the episode about how to actually do something. And, and she would have a lot of input into the show. Um, but that's just how it felt is like, oh, you've got these characters and there's some ensemble characters and they're all having fun with each other in, in the test kitchen, which is kind of their main office in like some amazing high rise building in New York with some insane view of like Central Park. Yeah, yeah. Sounds amazing. It, it's the the new uh, the new World Trade Center. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. nowhere near yeah, Central it looks Park. Over, it looks over the uh, that <laughs> oh, it's not okay. real no. future shopping center that we went to. Yeah, yeah, time. the big. It's right next to the thing. Statue of Liberty, and it's uh, on the other <laughs> side of it is the Brooklyn Bridge, and then there's a hot dog stand down the bottom. <laughs> I you know I was going to get a job in that building. I was about to work. Really, there. sadly, oh I did God. not get the job. 
But that's okay. We move on. <laughs> yeah, so Adam Rappaport, the editor-in-chief, was wrapped up in this scandal. Uh, he was wearing brown face at like a costume party or something. He was dressed as like a Puerto Rican gangbanger or something. It was like these horrendous brown face photos. And it caused this big like implosion. Because it happened right the at the start of the BLM thing, didn't it? it- yeah, it was, it was I like... I think BLM started after Bon Appetit, didn't it? Like the scandal? I guess it was all around the same time, yeah. It kind of really tore the company apart because there was a lot of, like, it opened up a lot of dialogues about, like, uh, beyond that, uh, you know, because he stepped down quite quickly, I think, and they released a kind of vague Instagram post. There was a lot of backlash about whether, like, he should leave, and it opened up a lot of dialogues for, like, uh, you know, like, mostly it seems like, from what I could understand at the time through Twitter and Reddit and stuff, like... Zola wasn't getting paid at all for appearances on the show and she was quite like an integral character of the show and and she sort of opened up a lot of dialogues about like the way that people of color were being underpaid and um, underutilized and underrecognized and a lot of like casual racism within the company Uh, and so she left kind of quickly and a lot of other people of color like left as well that's mostly what I remember about the scandal at the time but it was a huge thing yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I think that's, that's all. I really like, know. I didn't really know that much, other than they were underpaying people of color, and I just kind of got really angry about that. And I think that's where my yeah, yeah. information just stopped. And I think, like, obviously, you know, like me being like a middle class white dude, it's like I have a different connection and a different kind of anger. But I think, from my perspective at least, it's like beyond just like how horrible it is and how it makes people feel. I think people. Uh, upset because as well beyond everything else it's like they went off with this like um, they created this narrative of being this like fun family uh, and then in reality it, there was a lot of awful shit going on behind the scenes and, and a lot of like confusion um, afterwards. Well yeah I think it kind of just made me really angry because well you know you're saying you're one thing and like you've got these great people that seem really lovely but then it just made me question whether or not those great people were also in on the injustices that was going on you know like I was kind of like yeah really yeah. like Bradley Owen like were you someone who perpetuated this like were you being mm. racist behind closed doors you know it kind of created these ideas of like just being untrustworthy and that kind of situation yeah exactly and I, I mean, I've been following it quite sort of like uh, closely, um, but I mean, most of my opinions, like, you know, obviously this is the part of the show that's unresearched. So a lot of it's just going off kind of vibes of, of like what people have said on Reddit and, and Twitter and blah, blah, blah. But um, a lot of, most of like the, most of the people involved with the YouTube side came out pretty quickly and were like, yeah, we stand with Zola and, and you know, it's awful. Um, not all of them left the company and the company sort of went on this big hiatus for like, I think maybe like four or five months. I'm not sure. It was quite a long time. Um, and they've just come back and they've started releasing videos again. Zola, who's kind of become increasingly more the figurehead and representative. She has her own show, a new show, which is very popular with like, uh, binging with Babish and it's getting millions of views, um, and uh, they've started creating content again now after a, a long hiatus. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. I think um, Zeb and I saw something, which I guess we'll get into with the research, which um, kind of opened my mind up about like how they've handled the situation in terms of like, you know, obviously firing the CEO, Adam Rappaport, and like kind of yeah. taking matters 
seriously and kind of like, you know, trying to better the company and like not let the company be tarnished by Mm. this scandal. And I think there was like, I mean, I mean, they made one from what I've seen anyway, men and you know, I've got to research it more, but they've made one small release that was mostly related to Adam Rappaport, but didn't really address the like, you know, inherent racism within the internal politics of, of the show. And they released this video the kind of I don't really feel like uh, addressed it enough, and it was like uh, with the new kind of uh, promoted people of color that they've hired to help you know reshape the uh, company, which is really great. But it did feel a little like they they danced around the issue a lot, and they didn't really like include a lot of like accountability about like the inherent kind of racism within the company, apart from Adam Rapport. And even then, I don't really feel like the episode addressed it enough. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I, I thought that, I think on one hand it was cool seeing, like, um, yeah, it was cool seeing the new Editor Dawn and all, like, but then, yeah, there, I think that there's there's that side of it and then there's also the, the acknowledgement of the the all of the shit that still needs to happen, you know? Yeah. I feel like Facing in... forward it looks good and then facing backwards it's still really bad. Yeah, I think, like, and this is just my personal opinion, I think it shouldn't mm. be the POC's responsibility to address those issues. Like it wasn't like, I feel like in that video, it shouldn't be on them to be like, we acknowledge this, but I think there definitely needs to be a statement made by the company as a whole to just be like, Hey, we addressed that these were issues, but now on like a positive foot forward, we're using these POCs as a positive face for the company. Like this is like the fresh view of yeah. like what this is going to be about now and like let that positivity shine through these POCs rather than like them having to be like well this wasn't even our problem but we have to address it anyway you know kind of thing you know to release the first video and and without really you know talking at all about like the systemic issues um feels kind of like it's not obviously not on the the new editor to to explain that but no one really did yeah, I think that, so I guess like this episode would, I, I guess that we're kind of like just trying to aggregate the general response to all of this, would you say? I don't think we're, I think by no means are we trying to work out whether or not it should be a, be boycotted or not, let's say. Uh, I think it's, it, I think we should definitely look at this. I'm going to go away. Maybe I should even do some private research just on like, what are some of the new systemic changes that they're making to like their staffing and the the direction they're going to? Because maybe it's important for me to kind of understand that, you know, if instinctually I feel like it's not enough, then maybe I, I want to do some research to figure out what is actually going on. Yeah, for sure. And I want to do some research in terms of figuring out like, I guess similar to you, Tom, like what are they doing and then kind of the response people are having to that and kind of seeing if there are levels of accountability that are being held to them and mm. if, like, people are responding to that in a positive way or if people are responding that into, like, a negative kind of way. Yeah, and I and I think, you know, like, for people listening to this, obviously you, you're going to make up your own opinion and, and that's important, but I think yeah. it's kind of, like, important that everyone has a clear idea of, like, maybe a clearer idea of what are the facts here, you know, and then yeah. people can decide whatever they want, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I guess I'll just do the um, the kind of, I'll try to figure out like kind of the history of BA and the video department and then the conditions that kind of brought this whole thing falling down. Yep. Okay, okay. Sounds good. good. 
Okay, guys, I'll see you. I'll see you next week. All right, see you see then. See you in a week. Bye. Take it easy, guys. Okay, I'm gonna stop recording now. Hello, listeners. This week, Zeb read articles from the New York Times and Insider and explored the timeline of the scandal through Twitter posts, reposts of Instagram stories, and blogs hosted on the BA website. Coward listened to podcasts by The Sporkful and Pod Appetit, read Rachel Premack's articles for Business Insider, and other reporting from Vulture, Variety, and The Wrap. Rachel read press releases by Condé Nast and articles from The New York Times and Vulture, as well as Rachel Premack's article for Business Insider. For a full list of sources and more information, please head to www.cowardspace.com slash opheads. I was I was thinking um about like when I was like going through the the research. Do you remember the Carlton United uh, boycott? Yeah, of mm, course. Yeah, the great VB drought of twenty fifteen. That was the oh. first boycott that I actually think I was like, yeah, I'm go- I'll, I'll do this boycott too. And I remember we were drinking so much VB. No, it was twenty sixteen because I was dating you when it happened. This is the only time I ever like in Australia where I really drunk that much. I think, and then it, yeah. then it hit. And then I remember yeah, you, you saying, you put really it really well, it. like, six months in, you were like, I really didn't think this was going to take this long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it worked, you know, at the end of the yeah. day, like, they, um, like the, the, they rehired those workers. They rehired those workers because of me and Zeb and Rachel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was probably good. I remember getting a lot of acid reflux from all those VBs. Yeah, yeah. That's not good. Uh. Whenever I go back to Australia and I drink some VB, I'm like, oh, I can't wait. And I have it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always get that too. I always no, I thought, still I, like always thought I, I didn't like, like beer. Like I just I just wasn't drinking very good beer. And then now, mm. I, I, well, I, I, you know, I, I still don't care about beer, but I like it more here because it's also... Like so are you, are you drinking cents. again? Uh, it's every now and then. I haven't for a little while. It makes it sort of, asking on, on a occasion, question like that sounds occasion, like I'll I'll have a, on occasion I have a on occasion I'll have a beer, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't right. get I don't really get drunk so much. Yeah, now. I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't trying to say like, are you off the wagon? <laughs> like, <laughs> every 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 month or so, I get an, an alert on my alarm, and I go down and I get a big bottle of uh of the clo- you know the the cheapest liquor I can find of Feffy. And I and I drink it on the U barn, and I start punching whoever comes comes near me. I punch them straight away, and it just works for my sobriety that way. It's like the purge. Yeah, yeah, the guilty conscience for the rest of the month will get you. Yeah, through. exactly. Yeah. How did you guys go with the with the with the search? Good, good. I got. I feel like there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to add into mine, but I think Zeb is probably going to cover it, so I had to kind of yeah, sure, really take it back it was more it kind of ended up being more um how do I explain this yeah like just more my opinion because I kind of just like did a bunch of research and then how that made me feel which is exactly I guess the podcast but like a little it's just been a bit different no for sure I think when episodes I think I realized like how when you're like, oh yeah, it's a company, and you think it's just you know the YouTubers, then you realize like, oh no, there's there's a lot of people, and it's all connected to a bigger company. It's connected to yeah, a bigger company. Yeah, yeah, definitely had Meryl to kind Streep's of make involved. some decisions to like um, just ignore certain bits because it was going to get really yeah, fucking it was going to get really yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Like... You don't know, you don't want to know where you end up when you start yeah. looking at the monies. <laughs> 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 no, it just started making me really angry about about 
Condé Nast. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, I wanted to work for you guys. It's, felt... it's Condé Nast. Like, a, a, th- there's a few things that I just realized. Like, I think everyone knows about like publishing in New York that I don't like. Uh, like Anna Vintour. I was like, she sounds kind of familiar, Anna Vintour. And then, and then everyone's like. Yeah, it's Meryl Streep. It's the Devil yeah, Wears yeah, Prada. Yeah, the Devil Wears Prada. She's yeah. Vogue. Yeah, oh, Condé okay, Nast right. owns Vogue. Vogue, okay. I did not know that. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that the people from Bon Appetit, uh, I read something, I can't remember who it was about, but uh, like it, it referenced that they kind of answer to Anna yeah, Winter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she she sort of, during, like, which, I, you know, we'll get into, but during some of the, like, more tense meetings, apparently she would just appear like a specter in the corner of the room. <laughs> <laughs> she yes. haunts the halls. Yeah, she sounds like an awful person. She, she yeah, she is an awful. I'm pretty sure. I'm, yeah. I don't know, well, I don't know. I have no nothing to back that up, but I'm, I think I've heard that. Uh, well, the context, just how awful the fashion industry is as a whole, and how yeah. they fucking still just froth the worst people. You, you know what I like? I like JJ's man when they put the <laughs> like SpongeBob on, yeah. man, bro. Who are you, and why are you reading my shirt? shirt? <laughs> come on, come oh, on, my man. lord. <laughs> Do you want do you do you want to dive in Zeb to the stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, well, I guess like what I'll be explaining is kind of broken up into three chunks, like um, like their YouTube channel Bon Appetit as a magazine, and then the controversy. Oh, and actually the people that they've just hired. Sure. So, um, yeah, Bon Appetit, uh, as we were saying last time, started off as a magazine, like, uh, started in 1959. I didn't um, realize how big it was. It's huge, right? I, I had no, no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, <laughs> when I saw the, when I saw the, Con- I didn't even realize how big Condé Nast was until I like saw a photo of the building and I thought it was a fake picture of a building. I didn't even <laughs> realize that was a real building in New York because it's fucking enormous. Yeah, it's big. And, and yeah, they're like situated like right in there. But yeah, so um, yeah, Condé, it's owned by Condé Nast, which is like a big like media publishing company uh, that started in I think like 1909. The Mr. Condé Nast, I can't remember what his whole name was, um, bought uh, Vogue and then kind of bought a whole bunch of different magazines and... Um, like now they own they own Pitchfork they own own Wired Bon Appetit uh, the New Yorker GQ they own Architecture Architecture Digest, Digest yeah. yeah um and uh, yeah I think at one point they owned Reddit but really? I don't really yeah but and I and I can't really tell I think it's one of those things where you know it's like such a huge corporation that um. It owns this owns but everything. like I, yeah. you, I've got no idea in what capacity or like where it sits within that company. Because, like, they also own Disney. Condé Nast. No, they well, no, they, I, no, but they've got something to do with D- Disney's home entertainment stuff. I was reading, the, amongst all of the Condé Nast, con- amongst all of the controversy that came from the Bon Appetit stuff and then kind of, like, reverberated into Condé Nast. Um, uh, the, the, uh, I'm sure you get into it, but Agnes Chu, who's the new... Uh, the head of entertainment that just got replaced the with yeah. someone from Disney, Agnes Chu. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah that might have been what I was. Yeah, right. Yeah, I okay. read about who that was like sense. who was the super super duper Disney entertainment like lady who you know uh, brought in a bunch of cash for them or something. Yeah, yeah, right. I didn't really like. I kind of started trying to understand and unravel Condé Nast and like their part in the controversy but I really, yeah, like, yeah. it was gonna it was gonna make this whole thing go on forever so i kind of yeah, just stuck yeah, to yeah, yeah. um 
Yeah, so uh yeah, so like um uh Bon Appetit started making videos uh I think in two thousand twelve. Um two thousand twelve, yeah. And so their first like their earliest videos are just kind of cocktail tutorials and like little recipe videos and kind of uh restaurant exposes, things like that. And they're all you know, they don't have a whole lot of uh kind of personality to them, like that makes them distinct from anything else that was on YouTube at the time. Um, I first, uh, I, f- I went through a bunch of the like old videos and found and tried to find like where people started popping up first. And I saw that the first person that I recognized was Adam Rappaport. Um, and Piece he had like, yeah, yeah. So he's the editor or the, he was the editor in chief that kind of triggered the whole thing and made it become such a kind of public explosion. At the beginning, it was him and uh, and celebs. I think I can't remember. I think it was like some of the um, people. I think some of the girls from Broad City were in it or something like that. And it was some celebs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I did find I found a, a video from Ken Jong, was did a video about uh, Thanksgiving, and then and another one with um with yeah Abby and Alana from Broad City. Yeah, and I think that that was like that was when was that? That was in twenty fifteen. I think. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Tw- yeah, that was yeah. in, that was in 2016. So that was, I think that like you can kind of see uh, at the start of 2016, you can see them try to kind of find a like uh, start trying to find a bit of a personality and trying to be a bit more fun. What were the videos with the celebs though? Like, were they recipe videos or? No, the one with Ken Jong was just him. It was it was him posing with a Thanksgiving dinner and talking about how comedians don't make jokes about. Thanksgiving, like he was joking, but it <laughs> okay. was it, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. It went for like three minutes, and it was it, <laughs> okay. yeah, it was strange. And then uh, the Abby and Alana one was uh, the Broad City Girls was uh, them like blind doing blind taste tests, and they're in the test kitchen. But uh, oh. yeah, there's no yeah, one else yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and it's just them. I, I remember when I first started watching the test kitchen before I knew it was like some big thing. I was like. How did these these group of like colorful hipsters get access to this very expensive looking kitchen? I can't believe it. <laughs> that is the baffling question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was all like very intentional because yeah, I think it was in yeah around that time in kind of mid twenty sixteen where they decided to try to like I think Brad Brad Leone had been working there for a, a little while. I, I I was reading. I think the way that he kind of like. He got a job there as like a dishwasher and then has kind of worked his way up to the test kitchen manager thing. And then I guess it was his personality that they, that they figured they could turn into a show because the first official like test kitchen show was, um, yeah, it's live with Brad Leone. Oh, yeah, really? Right. That was the first one? Yeah. And so oh. that was in August of 2016. Uh, sorry, October of 2016. And oh, so like a couple okay. months after the um, Broad, City, Broad City Girls video and... And then, yeah, and then from then on, that's where it started building itself as, like, that, you know, like, as the, the show that everyone... The fun, really fun, like. hipster, kooky family of personalities and yada yada. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, like, if you wanted to, you could go back and watch all those videos and see them kind of, like, find the find the formula that ended yeah. up working so well for them. But, yeah, I, like, you can see that that's definitely where it started. Like, it goes from being, like, sort of funny videos to, like let's put a bunch of bloopers in here. Let's make it really like informal and kind of fun and, mm-hmm. and let Brad talk to the cameraman or that kind of stuff. And he's, he's making like miso or something like that. It's it's a fermentation yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think what what sort of bummed me out was the well, not surprising. It didn't bum me out that much, I guess. But like, you know, how much of this like I sort of thought they just sort of let everyone go a bit wild. But it does seem like they had these sort of creepy like meetings about click rates and like uh, they had the secret formula to like get uh, click rates where they kind of like move people around to make sure that it was still very much under their control. Like it wasn't I kind of had this idea that it was like just give the chef some cameras and just let them do whatever. But it's like they it was really still they kept a very, you know, their corporate fingers were very like uh, into the the production yeah, yeah, which I think kind of makes sense given that yeah, it's, it's like a big company, it's a you know, Condé Nast yeah. thing, and yeah, they're they're a huge company. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that the, I don't know. There's like a uh, I was watching a video from Lindsay Ellis, who's like a YouTuber, and she was talking about like a a cake channel that like a cake baking channel that I don't even know if this is worth including, but where they um where they had like uh, the cameraman. And like people on set, kind of start commenting and and creating this sort of like feeling of authenticity uh, in their videos, and then all of these other people started doing the same thing. But like there was, and she's talking about this, this like weird feeling when you watch all of these kind of clone clone videos. I was like, what is so strange about all of these people just chiming in and kind of like making this such a fun little like get together yeah yeah. and it's that it's that they're mic'd it's like why is the cameraman got a mic on him and <laughs> why does the yeah like, all yeah these people and, and like but i think that yeah like bon appetit is like was really good at making it feel very organic when yeah and chaotic you clearly know. it wasn't yeah yeah mm. when it really wasn't like it of course mm. it was kind of produced i mean you know like to a certain extent there yeah, like exactly, it is still yeah. there it's still their personalities and all of that kind of stuff but yeah like there is there are, there are some very intentional decisions going on behind exactly, the scenes. Exactly, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's like, that's that's kind of it for the YouTube channel, but like uh, like for their kind of, their, the history of their YouTube channel. But hmm. the, um, I can, I've got like a little timeline of the, uh, the controversy. And so, so the way that went was on um, the 31st of May, which I guess was just a couple of days, like a week after the George Floyd killing. Uh, yeah, uh, Rappaport, Adam Rappaport uh, wrote uh, like a short article on the website, um, in response to the George Floyd killing saying that in the coming weeks, Bon Appetit will be posting stories, uh, focusing on, on, um, on like black and indigenous people of color, uh, within the food industry and spotlighting black owned businesses and, and, you know, and and this is the, this is the food is always political thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is that post. Yeah. And uh, so there's a quote saying, and you'll see us tackling more of the racial and political issues at the core of the food world. And then he kind of ends the article by telling readers to donate to a bunch of, you know, like the relevant organizations. It was just, it was kind of just one of those ones that I like, think every big company did where it's like, we, we don't like racism. Like it was one of those very general. Um, yeah. Yeah. And kind of an easy, easy article to write. And yes, a performative yeah, allyship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think that, yeah, that's like at the core of this whole thing is the performative yes. aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, on the 4th of June, so what, like four days, five days later, this woman, um, uh, Ileana Masonette, a freelance Puerto Rican food writer, like tweets at Bon Appetit saying that she pitched a story about black Puerto Ricans who make these um, regional rice f- fritters. And the response was, and like a quote from her tweet, sounds like a story that could have been told five years ago. And she says, bet if I pitched it today, they'd buy it. Hashtag solidarity my ass. 
Mm. And then um, a couple of days later, two days later, Masonette, she then posted a series of uh, screenshots from a conversation she had with Adam Rappaport about the, about the tweet where he kind of like both defends the action, like defends the act of like, uh, like the, the blocking of the story and sounds like really apologetic. And, and he ha- he's like got this real weird, knows how to talk the talk, but is also kind of just defending the shittiness of, of like yeah, the way that yeah. the story got shot down. And then, um, yeah, a couple of days before that, another food writer named Corsa Wilson tweets out saying, this is so fucking empty. I personally know black women and women of color who were gaslit, fired, and their ideas used by all of you. And then asking Rappaport what he's planning on doing about the kind of internal discrimination going on at Bon Appetit. And I think that that was where, like, it all, like, the, yeah, the inner workings of the whole thing started to, like, bubble up. So on the, on the 8th of June, so another couple of days later, um, yeah, this uh, freelancer food writer named Tammy Merriam, I think I'm pronoun- I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, she tweets, I don't know why Adam Rappaport simply doesn't write about Puerto Rican food for Bon Appetit himself. And then, yeah, yeah <laughs> drops this photo of uh, him and his wife, Simone Shubbuck, who, did you know who she, was she, did she work for Refinery29, Refinery was that? No, no, no. No, that was, different. that was a different person. Yeah, she she's also like a, a she's food writer. She's a big writer. money person. Oh, is she a food writer, really? Yeah, I, I can't remember. But um, yeah, so it's a photo of the two of them in like brown face, you know, they've got all this Puerto Rican gear on, um, or like stereotypical Puerto Rican gear on. He's got like a, a chain on, he's got a really thin mustache and uh, like his skin is a lot darker. I don't know if it's that he painted it on or yeah, he, he did. He tried to <laughs> he tried to weasel out of that later. I think though, he was like, "No, I actually I'm just in, that tan." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you see photos of him. He's fucking he's white. white. Yeah, <laughs> he's white very, as very a white. ghost. He's white as hell. Yeah, demonstrably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, yeah. It's him and his wife. They both look yeah, and it's got the caption. TBT, uh, well, she, like his wife Simone Shubbuck posted it. TBT, me and my puppy Adam Rappaport. Hashtag Boricua. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, which is the name for like Puerto Ricans give themselves. Like yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Um, and that like blew up, and you know the world went crazy. I honestly think that if that hadn't, if that tweet hadn't come out and that photo hadn't resurfaced, then oh yeah, sure, it would the just whole gone, thing yeah. probably would have blown over. You know, it would yeah. have been a much smaller issue, and I don't think it would have like had the same repercussions that it did. No, definitely, because people were already kind of going like relatively like people were already complaining a lot about the racism within the like his his ex assistant uh, was like really vocal about how racist the company was and how shit he was. And how yeah. fuck, how naive do you have to be? Like, it's like, you know, when these things get chased up, it's usually like, you know, these scandals like for, you know, photos of blackface or whatever. It's usually like a really, really old post that they didn't delete yet. But she reposted it herself just being like, oh, it just like shows you how. Yeah, I know. Because yeah, it's one thing like, like if, you, if you did pull up a photo, because the photo was taken in 2004. If you pulled yeah. up a photo from 2004... You know, within reason, maybe you could kind of like... No, 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 no. This is what I read, and I don't know if this is what is true, but it was a repost from 2013 of the post from 2004. Like, yeah. it was a repost in 2013 that yeah, she... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, she... So, like, the photo was taken it... in 2004. Oh, okay. And, and, if, and if someone had pulled a photo from... Fuck, who knows, like, MySpace or Flickr mm. or something like that, of mm. them in 2004... Then you know you could kind of maybe explain that away 
in just saying like it was you know like yeah, it was yeah, 15 yeah. years a ago a long time ago but there yeah. was still yeah. but then the fact that yeah in 2013 she still thought it was cool enough to repost it is yeah. like yeah, yeah. And, and their friends were commenting shit on it like I was so yeah, you scared fucking so of you scared that, that night. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, these yeah, fucking it's people! Fucking Wait, atrocious. they were what? What? Commenting on it, saying like, "Yeah, like lol, I was so afraid of you, like of you guys <gasps> that night." And all this, oh you know, my god! All these people, really? A lot of blue check marks making very like who left some very provo comments like, way back then. <gasps> that is crazy. Yeah. Well, the, his his like ex assistant, like uh, who was you know at the time she was like the only black employee of the whole company, said he used to do things like order his coffee, he'd say, like, um... Did she be like, do you want it black or white? He'd be like, let's say Rihanna. Like, he'd do things like this all the time, every fucking day. No. Yeah. That's terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, there's that that footage of him, uh... Of him, uh... Asking, um... Priya. Uh, Priya, a question on a panel, and but calling her solo. (laughs) Yeah. The only other South South Asian woman on the panel. Oh, my God. Jesus. Yeah. Like, you just called me Sola. I'm Freya. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Prayer, prayer, prayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, Gross. Should have been fired a long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah, after that blew up, uh, I think, yeah, like, then Sola um, came into the, like, became, like, the the main voice from the inside of Bon Appetit. Um, uh, saying, so she, yeah, she posted a, a whole series of things on her story saying, oh, I'm going to read the whole thing, like, uh, like, the, yeah, going to read the whole thing. They read, I'm angry and disgusted by the photo of Rappaport in Brownface. I've asked for his resignation. This is a, this is just a symptom of the systemic uh, racism that runs rampant within Condé Nast as a whole. I've been at Bon Appetit for 10 months. I'm 35 years old and have over 15 years professional experience. I was hired as an, hired as an assistant editor at 50K to assist mostly white editors with significantly less experience than me. I've been pushed in front of videos as uh, to, uh sorry i've been pushed in front of video as a display of diversity in reality currently only white editors have paid for their video appearances none of the people of color have been compensated i demand not only the resignation of rapaport but also to see bipoc given fair titles fair salaries and compensation for their video appearances which was yeah, like so well worded. Yeah, yeah, yeah fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, but she's great. Yeah, there was a lot of people beforehand. They were posting stuff, and I, I really like it because it really shows you. Like you could see their faces going a bit red because especially some of like the white stuff were like, were like, yeah, maybe the bipoc is is an issue, but to me, it's the bro culture. And there was this big discourse going on about the bro co- uh, culture within the company. And then when that came out, they all went quiet for a little bit and then came back <laughs> out like with well, some of them did with solidarity with Zola, but not all. You know. Well, actually, yeah. all of them at first, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I feel like, yeah, a handful of them, uh, yeah, tweeted out, like, a similar sort of, like, kind of mirrored uh, Solar's stance against Rappaport and, like, and the same sort of demands that she was making. And then uh, and then there was the uh, Alex Lau, who was, like, an ex-photographer uh, for BA, posted mm. a massive thread on, on uh, Twitter, which I'm not going to read about because it's really long, but uh, I'll, like, we'll leave a, a link to it in the show notes. Um, just talking about his experience at uh, working for Bon Appetit and like why he left. He's talking about like, um, but like there would be kind of pretty frequent talks about like fellowship training programs for people of color and all this kind of shit. And then uh, there would never be any follow through at any like ever. It would just be like whenever the people of color working for Bon Appetit would bring it up, they'd have a meeting about it and, and talk about all of these things that they're going to do, and then would be silent on it from then on. 
Yeah, I th- there was another thing where he mentions that um, he like he asked why uh, there had been no African food ever put on the website, and he was met with the response of, um, "Oh, you know, the recipes get tricky, and readers probably wouldn't want to make the food." Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh my even God. though they've got, even though as Alex Lau points out, even though they've got. You know these cooks that go for like sixteen hours on their on their website for mm. just like European food that is insanely complicated and and <laughs> yeah and so yeah it just talks about like uh, how the the few like the the group of like BIPOC people working in BA were trying really hard to create a more inclusive system uh, like into like sorry like a more like inclusive outlet and like a less discriminatory system internally. Mm-mm. And then, um, yeah, kind of ends the thread talking about how it's important to, to uh, you know, call out publications when um, when you notice when you see that they're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then Alex Delaney, I only learned this just like I was just doing some like last minute research before we started recording, and I didn't, I missed entirely Alex Delaney's um, controversy. His like his yeah, he out. was he was sort of yeah yeah. There was some shit with him, right? Yeah, so he's like he was the assistant web editor, and I think he had a show on. Bon yeah, he did. He had a, a like, it, but I think he only did a few episodes. But it was kind of like, uh, I'm gonna eat Try, everything on the menu. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would just like appear in a lot of other videos. But yeah, so there was a photo came out of him, um, a cake that he'd made that was like had a Confederate flag uh, decorated on it, which he which he baked when he was six, seventeen. So I mean, you know. It seems like, like from judging by kind of the more uh, harsh critics of Bon Appetit that I could find on like there's one particular podcast and a couple of Reddit posts. Some people have kind of forgiven, uh, well, not forgive, maybe forgiven is the right word, but kind of like accepted that Delaney had a shitty past and did some dumb dumb things, but like has kind of come out and like showed the the work or whatever since then. I mean, there's obviously still a lot of people that are like fuck Alex Delaney as well. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, even the the harsher critics that really like will never forgive Brad and and etc. Are, are kind of like Delaney. Uh, Delaney came out like and before this this whole thing blew up and was pretty like vocal about like Black Lives Matter and and made big donations and he's you know he's changed his ways or whatever. But yeah, 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 yeah. Right, because yeah, I mean like seventeen years old. When yeah. He- and it's you know, you're very. He was like pulled it from his Tumblr from like yeah, 2010. Or and something he's like a bit. Of, he's a bit of a fucking like. He's a bit of a straight boy, like you know, frat boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. don't necessarily trust him, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And then there was there was also like there was a handful of like uh, homophobic. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, no, just like gross tweets about girls yeah. and women, and then um and then some homophobic uh, vine or a vine where he used a, a homophobic slur at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so, yeah, he has apologised for all that stuff, but I think he's still working at Bon Appetit. I don't know in what capacity, but, yeah, he's, st- he's still there. So, yeah, then, uh, like, a handful of people resigned after that. You had, like, uh, Priya Krishna, she resigned. Sola obviously resigned, and she's now working with Binging with Babish. Working, with, got a show with Babish. Uh, Rick Martinez. Um, and then there was a, a bunch of other people who said that they wouldn't be appearing in BA's video content anymore, but I think still work for them. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So that's like uh, Molly Baz, uh, Gabby. No, she's gone. No, she's 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 just she's off the video there, stuff. Yeah. She's like she's still. I think it was only Zola and Priya 
that and Rick Martinez and Rick Martinez, Rick Martinez yeah. left there, yeah. okay. that actually left and resigned and, and Claire, yeah. But Claire didn't resign. Claire's contract had already ended, so yeah, she just she left in time. She just didn't yeah. come back. I think, yeah. like, I yeah. think, but there was, there was the, like it was in the same for the same reason as everybody else. No, no, no. She had already planned to not come back before oh, really? all of it happened. Yeah, mm. her contract ended in May, and so she was like, "Yeah, I've got other plans." Right. She yeah, had a kind a of like and... she had a, a, a special contract because I it seems like I, I can't think it, it couldn't be motivated by anything else apart from like getting more money. But she left and then came back as a freelancer, so she was on a different contract. She didn't have one like the other YouTube stars had. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. So yeah. she she had more freedom in in leaving, and I think there's like there's a whole bunch of stuff that like I have some information on with like contracts and blah 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 and and how it works. But I think like. For a lot of them, um, uh, like for a lot of some of them, like you know, after the contract negotiations came back and and like the sort of block of like the POCs that were trying to go for a, a higher contract, and uh, all the white people said like, yeah, yeah, we're we you know we're sticking with you, and then kind of some of them did, some of them didn't, and so and most of them stayed at the magazine. But it seems like most of the the POC block are kind of like. Yeah, fair enough. I oh, I don't know. Actually, maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know what they're thinking. But it, it, they don't seem to be so vocally against them saying at the magazine, at least. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I guess, but you can't really... I think if they just started kind of attacking their colleagues for deciding to stay, it's kind of taking away from the whole point of, like, you know, attacking the system rather yeah, than... Yeah, for sure. Well, Zola yeah. definitely is doing that. Like, yeah, she, came, yeah. she came out and was like... A, she was saying like it's not surprising that uh, that everyone loves Brad because it's Trump's America and he's a goofy white guy and and yada yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. but I guess it's not really attacking like Brad's decision to stay or something like that. You know, I feel like no, that yeah, would be, sure, sure. That would kind of just take away from what they're doing. I think, which yeah. is good. Which is good. I think they shouldn't necessarily be attacking people for their decisions. That's kind of up to us, and I have yeah, my opinions, yeah. which. I will discuss later. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, like after what was like six months without a without a video, without like kind of hearing anything from it, uh, from BA. Now there's like a huge new team, way bigger than I thought. There's like I, I can't remember, I can't remember the exact number, but there's a lot of people like they've just hired, and almost all of them seem to be people of color. Yeah, so. they've hired like thirteen new video people, and they're all people of color, and yeah. the only white there was, people. There was one person who wasn't. Yeah. And the only white people that are like three people. Did you have any, did you find it? I'm still so confused. Even after the research, I've kind of put together a bit of an idea, but I can't work out the internal hierarchy of how all the positions work. And um, the other thing I was interested if you found out anything is, is their fucking pays. Yeah, no, I didn't find anything out apart from like what Solar had said. And yeah, like the the same sort of speculation that you're talking about. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, neither did I. Like, yeah. I found out, um, which I guess I'll talk about, but I'll mention now, is that, yeah, Condé Nast denied, completely denied that there was pay discrepancies and that their in, in official statement stated, I'll just quickly read it. They were like, um, while we found that everyone was compensated fairly for video through their full-time salaries or other means as part of project or freelance agreements, it's on us that our lack of open communication about video compensation created confusion. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there was right, that, yeah. That, this is this whole fucking Proskauer Rose thing. 
What? Yes. <laughs> the, the, like the, the, the internal like investigation of the pay salaries through that company, Proskauer Rose. Oh, okay. Rose. Uh, yeah. Yep. Which is just a, a disregard anything the fucking BA say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the only thing I really wanted to mention after that was, uh, yeah, they've hired a lot of people. And I like did a little bit of, I looked into that Dawn Davis, like the new editor-in-chief is like replaced uh, Adam Rappaport. And she seems really cool. So in terms of, like, the positives, I sort of found, uh, like, it, it kind of, it, 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 there's sort of three divisions, I think, is the easiest way to look at it. There's kind of, like, there's the internal chef YouTube celebs, there's the magazine kind of a, as an entity, and then there's big corporate. And I think that they all handled it in different ways, and they've all sort of made attempts in very different ways at trying to kind of like, I don't know, like do the right thing. And some have been more successful than others. So I think I'm going to start with um, the one that seems to be considered like the most, uh, the most like, I don't know, what's what's a better word than successful? Like the most, they're showing the most like uh, progression. So yeah, one of, one of the big the criticisms uh, was kind of like the the BIPOC cultural representation and the way that they kind of represented the menus and, and certain chefs. Um, uh, so like they have meetings where Zola would kind of come and she'd be like, can we do a video on like, you know, this recipe for like a... You know, like a like you know a, a dish from another culture that that's quite successful, and they'd be like, "No, that we just want to do mac and cheese and stuff like that." Um, there was a there was a staff member, one of the only like uh, like actually black staff members that they had who left. Um, she actually wrote a whole article about like a black line cook at a chef called like Le Cuckoo, um, and suddenly it just got released by like uh, this, her her article, but with a, a white writer. Uh, just changed the name um, and she kind of complained to them and they were sort of like, oh yeah, sorry, we owe you one. Um, and then I think, I can't work out who said this, I can't find it again, but I think it might have been Hunzi who uh, was suspended for kind of coming out against the company a lot. He's the editor of um, It's Alive, was saying that they had a lot of meetings where they, they say things like, we want to keep, like, we want to make the um, the the video series more diverse but kind of keep the tone. Uh, which is kind of gross and, and doesn't really make yeah. any sense at all. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, make any know. sense. What what does that even I mean? I don't know what informality. Yeah, like what yeah. is it about the identity of that show that screams like white centric? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's kind of just it, you know like th- there's there's a whole lot of confusion about like there, it just seems very clear from everything corporate has ever uh, talked about the tone that it's like that they they purposely they have like they have a, an agenda to keep it very white. But the that's the sort of YouTube side of things, and that remains to be seen because we haven't they haven't really posted many um many like recipe videos. The the magazine was kind of already starting to get a little more diverse, but you can really see now that the magazine actually has kind of like overturned a little bit, and it's obviously very reactionary. But there's a like if you if you just look at the Instagram from the point of the scandal until now, and whether or not this is you know, a, a good thing is kind of up to the person listening. But, like, they they have since then focused a lot on, like, different cultures and, and chefs from different backgrounds. Um, and you can kind of almost see, like, the line in the sand where it goes from just, like, cakes, cakes, cakes into just, like, different recipes from different cultures. But I listened to uh, an interview with this guy, Joey Hernandez, who's the um, uh, research editor for the magazine, and they're doing kind of like this thing called a recipe audit where 
uh, he the interviews in a podcast called Salt and Spine. So they, there's a lot of things that they changed, and there's like a lot of problematic names of food. Um, like there's one called uh, the Macroot Lime, uh, and it has like another name it usually goes by, which is like a like a racial slur with a K in it. Um, so they're kind of going through and they're changing all of the things that could be considered kind of problematic names for food. And then also just the, like a lot of things like they have, you know, they're, they're trying to avoid doing things like having a white chef being kind of like the one that sort of introduces the history of fur or whatever. And like that, which is, you know, like kind of problematic when like you could get someone who's from that culture to explain it. And, and lots of lots of sort of little things like that. They're kind of going through and they're auditing and they're changing uh, all of these in the old like previously posted uh, recipes. And then they're also showing their work. They're going to like leave a thing down the bottom highlighting the corrections. Um, so that was kind of cool. Also, they posted like BA uh, itself on their website, posted a, a, like a article by by Priya. And she's like, it's a dialogue with a chef, which if I fuck up the pronunciation, I'm sorry, but uh, like a Nigerian chef called Yavande Komolafi. Um, and it, the article's called When Did Recipe Writing Get So Whitewashed? Uh, and if you read that, it's a pretty good rundown of kind of like the issues around whitewashing food. Um, uh, and yeah, she even calls out BA a little bit within it, which is, you know, I guess, and I, that shows some progress or some change, which is mostly through the magazine, but it has nothing to do with the, the YouTube at, at all. Um, in terms of some of the systemic issues like pay, uh, which was really kind of like the BIPOC chef kind of movement there's some good podcasts that i that i got most of my information from that i really recommend the sporkful do a really good rundown uh of kind of how the internal mechanisms of the company there's a podcast called pod appetite which is like super fans (laughs) of the show so if you if you listen to that that's a really good kind of rundown of like the where the fans are at with it because they were just a fan show of the of the um test kitchen before the scandal so funny and now they hate it Oh, wow, really? right. Damn. Uh, they, Have they spoken to anybody from the show? No, no. They're, they're commentators. They're, but it, okay. Yeah. Sporkful actually tried to reach out to a lot of people, and pretty much all of them, after Matt Hunziker got suspended uh, for kind of coming out, who's the, who I talked about before already, but yeah, after he got suspended, most of them like are like, we're not fucking talking about anything as long as we're working there. I mean, obviously, Solar comes out and talks about it a lot. Um, so what, what with that with that Hunzi guy? When did that happen? That happened because he. So when this kind of goes into what I'm going to talk about, but he uh, Bon Appetit issued like an official statement on Instagram, in, or one of the things that they listed that they were going to change was implementing anti-racism training. And what Hunziger, uh came out and said, he tweeted a meme. I mean, I tweeted a meme. He tweeted a tweet and he said, why would we hire someone who's not racist when we could simply, checks industry handbook, uh, hire a racist and provide them with anti-racism training? (laughs) And so then he got suspended because um, the company was like, there have been allegations against him and that we need to do an internal investigation as to like his performance and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, like not because of the tweets or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then all these other people came out and were like, it's because of the tweet. Like, yeah. they're attacking so w- him. So when, when was that, though? Was that... He got suspended in August, I think. Of what, this year? Or of last... this year, yeah. Ah, and wait, then after okay. that, they even came after, like, there's still a few of those tweets, like, you know, defend Hunzi or whatever. There was a hashtag. But they even, like, came to directly to all of the people that tweeted about it being like, you're going to remove those tweets, aren't you? Like, really creepy shit. Yeah, really? yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was really weird. The G-Men coming after you. 
Yeah, a bit strange. No, they're, okay. they're, they're, yeah, they're, you know, they're villains. They're cartoon mm. villains. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the, so in terms of the pay, so like the whole, uh, the whole thing was Zola sort of was offered a contract pretty quickly after she came out with, with back pay and something like a, like a $20,000, uh, $20,000 like raise of the salary and, and which is kind of what she was asking for is a little bit low, but she was like, I'm not going to take it until all the BIPOC like YouTube stars have been kind of compensated. And then all the kind of white chefs came out and were like, yeah, we, we stand with you. We won't do another show until that happens. Um, right. And so then like, I, I can't get into all the contract negotiations because it's not that well known, but also you, listen to the Sporkful gets into it a lot more than I will. But um, basically they, they went back and forth a bunch. Uh, they came back with something. We don't know the numbers, but we just know it was reported to be like half of what some of the other chefs had got. Um, basically when you get a YouTube show with, uh, with Bon Appetit, you get a separate contract with um, Condé Nast Entertainment. So they, that's yeah. where the, the big money comes in. Um, and they kind of, the, the BIPOC chefs were not happy with the contract negotiations and eventually decided like that they would leave um, I can't find anything on the money of in terms of because like whenever Zola would talk about the money they were offered and what she got, I mean to me being you know working in gastronomy in Berlin, I'm like oh that sounds like quite a lot. But everyone, <laughs> all the BIPOC chefs are just like it's pathetic, and their the contract negotiations were sort of stumped because it was so bad. And like I all the only thing I could find is there was a uh, there's also some really good articles uh, with Business Insider by a, a journalist called Rachel Premack. Yeah, I was reading those too. Yeah, good. she's really good. She kind of goes through it a lot and kind of outlines everything. I did see somewhere it's speculated that Claire gets up to between twenty and thirty thousand dollars per episode, but I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what I saw. Wow. I don't think they're illegally allowed to release that information. Yeah, because I yeah. know that like you sign like NDAs and stuff when you sign those contracts. Yeah, exactly. So that's probably yeah. why we can't find any of that information. Because I was trying to. I was like, so is all of, like is that um was that uh like Solar Solar saying no to that contract was that why the YouTube channel just stopped for so long or was that after they'd already stopped making it was also because the White Chef said in solidarity we won't do an episode until then yeah yeah but that was where it all ended like kind like of that was yeah the moment think, where where they yeah. stopped making videos yeah. for. The next six months. I think also they. I, I, I to, think it was to be honest. They don't think they would have after the blackface scandal or the brownface yeah. scandal. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like uh, also like I know that the um I know that the the BIPOC chefs were um like were were told by all the white chefs they came out and were like yeah this is our salary and Molly Baz was like kind of the. If you had to choose a, a white chef that was the most, like, uh, displayed the best allyship, it was kind of her, which everyone seems kind of surprised about because she seems a little, I don't know, just kind of like a, she's a bit of a, like a white hipster or whatever. But she was kind of like, she was really leading the charge with, like, the solidarity with the BIPOC chefs. And, and she was one of the first to leave after the contract negotiations didn't work. She didn't leave, though. She's still there. She no, works there still. The, the YouTube. Uh, the oh, YouTube, yeah, 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 yeah. The videos. Yeah. Um. So then, so then, like, that's kind of where the YouTube chefs are at. A lot of them are left. Some have stayed. I'll kind of get into the ones that stayed a little bit later. But uh, the last thing. So the in terms of the actual company, they conducted like an investigation uh, by with this legal company called Proskauer Rose. Um. 
So they did this like internal investigation about like whether or not there was racism in the in the company. And Proskauer Rose are kind of known to be the guys you go to if you're a big company to do that. Like there was uh, the New York Public Radio. Uh, they did a similar kind of thing. I think they did one maybe for NBC or something. And like everyone around the board just knows that like they're there to serve the client. Like they're not like there to do, they're not an objective. Uh, you, you can't really have an objective investigation that you're paying for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So they kind of like, they kind of did an investigation that kind of, uh, like they did a press release based off that saying kind of like that everyone was fairly compensated and yeah, like, so, so in the end they kind of hired uh, a bunch of new people. Um, the big, the big bosses that kind of got replaced were Adam, Adam stepped down. Uh, and he was, uh, replaced with, um, Dawn Davis, who is kind of the only person, the new hires, like one of the only people that people kind of seem like the, you know, the, the really critical fans seem to be pretty happy about because she's, she's really cool. Like, uh, she, yeah, was, she seems like a legend. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's been in publishing forever and she was a founder and, and publisher of this company called 37 Inc., which is like yeah, a, I was reading about those guys. Yeah, marginalized black voices and, mm. and published a lot of like uh, she, she they published um the pursuit of happiness and a bunch ah, of stuff. Right, okay. That's so yeah. nice. Yeah, and yeah, it seemed like she was pretty into like the intersection of like food and kind of uh, like racial politics and yeah, and exactly. Yeah, so she kind of like. Uh, yeah, she. I don't know. Everyone just seems to be kind of like a cool Dawn Davis because there was a lot of speculation about like who's going to get the job and like it better be someone good. And it's kind of one of those things where I feel like like the company kind of like is it, you can tell that it's it, they're not that interested in actually you know like like figuring out what they've done wrong or or making um, some sort of like internal ethical change. But they, but they're just panicking and they're trying to just appease everyone. But actually, in the end, it's like, well, that's good. I mean, if it gets new people hired that that are better at the job and like represent people better, in the end, it kind of works out a little bit. Um, uh, there was also like Matt Ducker, the head of programming for Condé Nast. He was also fucking gross. And Solar really comes out talking about him being kind of like one of the main proponents about getting any kind of diversity into the show. Um, he was also implicated in a bunch of, like, really awful homophobic racist tweets. He resigned. He was replaced with Sonia Chopra, who was, like, the former mediator of Vox. Um, and I've got a quote from her saying, I can't wait to get started with the Bon Appetit team. I've been a loyal fan of the brand for years and look forward to collaborating with them to create meaningful change at this pivotal moment happening in food media. Um, and she seems... Good. She seems cool. And the fans are kind of happy enough about it from what I can gather. Yeah, because yeah. she's just kind of, she, like, she's just worked with Vox for, like, quite a while, like six or seven years or something like that, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think she's done heaps else after, aside from that, as far as I can tell. I think she was an executive producer for a TV show that they did with, uh, with like, CBS or something. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I, I couldn't find too much about her apart from just sort of like her resume or whatever, but yeah, yeah. people seem happy enough. Um, and the last per, the last sort of replacement was Oren Katsef, who was like the head, the big head of Condé Nast, um, who's also just gross. Uh, and he was Yeah, replaced... he was the head of the entertainment section for Condé Nast. Yeah, yeah. Which are the big, the, the ones that give the contracts for the big money, like the big money yep. contracts. 
So he was replaced with Agnes Chu. We talked about that before the Disney, but actually he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't let go. He was just this gross thing that big companies do, where they kind of reshuffled him. So he's still yeah. like within the organization somewhere, but actually he's not being like let go or anything. Yeah, and it would took months. Like that only happened in September, whereas yeah. like with Ducker and um, Rappaport, it happened like instantly. Pretty much straight away, right? Yeah, but they yeah. those two resigned, I think. But like, kind of, you know, I don't think they had much of a choice in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. resigned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but basically, I think like the in terms of big corporate, I'm I'm couldn't find many positives from that. I mean, like it really feels <laughs> pretty <laughs> feels pretty fucking gross, and it's a shame that they had to lose like. And I think this is a lot of people's issue with watching the show now is like they have new BIPOC people, but I mean, maybe Rachel will get into that, but they kind of had to make a whole lot of replacements. Um, And then in terms of like the YouTube chefs sort of like uh, there's like, you know, the people that have left like in solidarity, uh, Rick Martinez, Sola, Priya, Gabby, Molly Baz, Carly, Lali, Music, Emil, Stanek, Claire Saffitz. Christina Che and Alex Delaney have left the video series and they're being replaced with uh, eight new chefs and, and they're all meant to be BIPOC um, and they're getting three episode miniseries each. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I th- in terms of like the, the ones that stayed, i.e. Uh, Andy Berigani, Chris Morocco and uh, Brad Leone, I, I, you know, like uh, it, it's kind of like I can't find anything concrete because they obviously don't talk about it that much but i have i've seen like in terms of like reddit discourse and whatever and how much we can sort of like use that as a source but it most people are very disappointed that they're still there i know with brad uh there there may be some sort of contract issue with him starting a new show somewhere else uh because his show was the most popular on the channel so Maybe that's a reason why it's a bit harder for Brad to leave, but still, I think like it definitely doesn't like it's not good allyship, and and whether or not that that matters is up to you. Um, but I I also kind of can see if there's a few points like a you know I, I it's the middle of a pandemic and and Brad has a family and to leave and and start a, a whole new video career or whatever like from the ground up might be easier said than done. But at the same time, I yeah, do but think- like. The the POCs are doing that though. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. That's... They're they're all doing that. Exactly right. I I I think that um, that's the only that's the only point I can see sort of you know batted back and forth about Brad. But at the end of the day, I I do think it's bad allyship, and I sort of have this suspicion. This is just based off my instincts that like. You know, like, I don't know, like, I, I have this feeling that, that Brad maybe doesn't get the severity of the whole thing, and and it's shit, you know, I, I, and I'm not, I'm, I can't find many positives in terms of the stars that have stayed, and I, I, I try to look, but, you know, I, I, it's really, like, it's down to, like, what do you think, because there's, they haven't really talked that much about why they stayed, they just stayed, you know. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, I've definitely, like, because Brad's the only person that I, like, uh, ever kind of engaged with outside of watching even even when i was like right into bon appetit i only really watched brad like yeah, Brad's yeah. videos and yeah i followed him on instagram and have kind of just been slowly more and more disappointed every day i see him just like yeah. not talking about it mm. at all like it just, and it seems just it feels as though there's a little bit of shame in it or something like that from his end where like he just hasn't mentioned Bon Appetit in any capacity no. at all, apart from um, it's just all, it's when just... they 
when they announced like the new like when they put out that first new video with Don Davis and then uh Sonia and that uh I think his name's Mark, the other guy. Um he posted a thing saying like I'm really happy to be working with these people, but it almost looked like yeah, yeah. He copied and pasted the the text from a like an email template that was sent mm, to him exactly. And, and he's he's been problematic. I mean, he's you know he's a fucking New Jersey boy or whatever. Like I've always got this sense that like you know I, like this is my opinion, but I, I've got this sense that if if you got to know him as a person, I don't I don't think he's you know like not unproblematic basically. But but like you know since since kind of like he he came out. A few times during the big scandal, but since then it's just been fishing content and like, whatever. But I, it's kind of like it's it's a little bit of a shame, I think. Like I remember Zola said something in the in um one of her interviews, saying kind of like it, you know I, I'm disappointed in the White Chefs for different reasons. But uh, when she talked about Brad, she was like, Brad just figured out that racism exists. Like Brad, Brad's. <laughs> You know, like just working this all out now or whatever. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> not really good enough, is it? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's that's all. That, that's all I got. That's, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I would have thought that he like I I was kind of half expecting him to just like quietly go off and just do all of like more of his like because you know he makes like these little fermentation ceramics with some other dude and he's like. Got a couple of signature knives with a few knife companies. I yeah. thought that was might that might be where he would go into just like doing more of that sort of stuff and just leave the video world behind. But I th- which I, I was kind of happy with and also sad. Like I was like, it would be a shame to not see him anymore. But then yeah, but it, it, you know, it's just it'd be so like I like I heard this in in Pot Appetite, and I think it's so true. It'd be so fucking easy for a big company like Condé Nast to just pay the BIPOC chefs like adequately. Like it wouldn't even yeah. make so much of a difference, and I then know. yeah, that's because it, it starts to feel really ideological when you get to that point where it's like you are such a huge corporation. Oh yeah, and the man. The only like, reason you're not doing it's, it's it is because you just straight up don't like these people. Grain of sand, you know what I mean? Like, it's and, and then, but whether or not like we could ever go back to like watching the YouTube series and like uh, you know all everyone's having fun. It's well. Like, yeah, okay. Well, I really don't have... You guys have, like, covered everything that I researched. I guess the oh, things shit. that I... I'm just going to, like, touch on... I guess because, like, in terms of the negatives or, like, kind of how they handled it, you covered how they handled everything. The ra- the main thing that I kind of got out of it was just a lot of opinions and a lot of, you know, the public's mm. opinions on how they did it, which they weren't... Like, a lot of people were not happy. And so I think mainly... The the underlying issue that everyone seemed to have with the whole thing was just the performative part of it all. Like, yeah. even the way that they deal, dealt with it on Instagram and, like, social media and, like, their statements and everything, it just seemed very much like we need to do something and so we're going to say something. And, of course, like, in that statement that they wrote, which was their Instagram post, it was good. Like, they were addressing a lot of points and a lot of things about like they realize what they've done wrong and like what they're going to do to change and like that was really good but it was more just kind of in line with their whole tokenizing of diversity and like just trying to Mm. seem like they're being inclusive but they're not at all and yeah that was the thing that I guess like Zola came out of I mean sorry Zola came out about and she was just talking about how like 
they all of the people of color were tokenized to seem like they were diverse on the video channels. But then when mm. you actually looked into the internal teams and like even in the magazines and stuff like that, the fact that you even said that there was a, a recipe or an article written by a person of color and then with a white person's oh, credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how it's fucked crazy. is that? And yeah, like they yeah, said yeah. Oh, that's the, in their That's statement, the betrayal of it all, I think, is that they, they – outwardly perpetuate themselves as like a sweet, you know, well, we're a bunch of inclusive hipsters or whatever, like. Yeah, but they're not. And it's like, this is that, which is the whole scandal. And that's the thing. And they even said in their like statement, they're like, yeah, we're going to go read credit people and like change those things. And I was like, first of all, the fact that you have to do that is ridiculous. And then second of all, the whole pay situation, like the issue was pay. And they never even said that they were going to pay these people, the money that they're owed for the work that they've done. Mm. Like these people have still done all this work and then haven't been paid fairly and they're going to go change credits and names on credits, but they're not going to go back and pay the people the money that they're owed. Yeah, on an article that's now like buried. Exactly, yeah. Like in a a sea of newer content. Yeah, just blatantly said that, no, the allegations are false about the pay discrepancies. Yeah, right. Also just shows that they're not even acknowledging there was a discrepancy, so they're not obviously mm-hmm. going to go back and pay. Like, they're obviously going to pay people coming forward, but my issue is that they're not even paying the people that had worked. Yeah, and, and know, that any compens- work that they have done is yeah, only I mean. based around PR because of the brown face thing. Like, there's there's no way that, you know, the the – Puny, the, the like the the small amount of work that they've done since then, which is not that much as a company, only yeah. happened because they got into this much trouble. There's exactly. no fucking way they yeah. would have done anything if they didn't have to. I know, and that's my issue with the um the white YouTube video people is that yeah they all came out and like tweeted being like we're not going to appear in any more videos like we're standing in solidarity, but like hello, where were you guys to even mention that there was pay discrepancies and that yeah. these issues were going on? No one said anything. And it had to be the people of colour to come forward to say, hey, we're getting treated unfairly. And yeah. then as a like after the fact, all the white people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, that's Yeah, it's pretty hard to believe that that was the first they heard of it. I know, like, like of course yeah. they that wouldn't. That wasn't mentioned just like when you were driving somewhere together. Yeah. Like, but that's, you posted it in front there, of like, there's a million, million there's a million stories that like I read that, that just seem to like the more you read the more you get that like uh, the, the sporkful does a really good job outlaying some more of them that it just like this has been going on since before the YouTube series blew up like yeah the, yeah and it's an active dialogue and like some of them like Chris Morocco especially is implicated in in a lot of like you know, like not just like ignoring it, but actually actively perpetuating that culture. And Carla Lali music mm-hmm. has a kind of, it's a bit of a gray area maybe, but she's also sort of involved with that too, who yeah. all, for the record has the most annoying name of all time. Oh my God, I know. Yeah. Lali And she's music. been there for a long time. She was the first, when I was going through the YouTube videos, she was the first person to pop up. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. she had a video in like 2013 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's it's this it's this like... You know, it's kind of this microchasm of like uh, I don't know, like it's it's very easy to come out and, and post a black square during BLM, but like when it comes to like taking some kind of responsibility or um, you know like doing any speaking up about anything before it's too late, you know, and 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 actually yeah. kind of su- supporting people even when it's difficult, that's kind of that shows more than like just 
throwing something up on Twitter because everyone else is or, or because, you know, yeah. I don't know. You exactly. Know. And that's that, that has been the biggest thing that I've taken away from the whole thing is that even now with everything they're doing, like even on their Instagram, everything that they've posted since then has all been people of colour. Like I haven't seen one post about yeah. a white person and all of the food has been extremely like diverse, which is great, but it just seems like they're trying way too hard. Like it's yeah, like, yeah. They're overcompensating by like a million times, which, you know, is good because at least, you know, they're doing it, but it doesn't seem like it's coming from a genuine, authentic place. Like it doesn't seem like they're actually sorry about what they've done and they're just doing it because they've been called out and now everyone's mad at them. And they're like, well, in order to save the brand, we have to do this. And, but yeah, I think the thing that um, is just so frustrating is that like, Condé Nast, like, of course, I don't want to get into that because it's just it's too big of an issue. You don't but want to get they sued. just have accepted, like, no responsibility. No. And, and the fact that, yeah, they're kind of like when people were tweeting about, like, um, like not appearing in videos and everything like that, nobody called for Rappaport's resignation besides Solar. And it was kind of like, you know, I th- kind of would have expected more. I think the thing that I'm taking away from all of this is that I expected more from the white YouTubers from Condé Nast and I think like Bon Appetit itself is doing is doing really good. Like I'm like, you're doing what you need to do, but it's like the trickle down effect of this huge company. And then like the colleagues that could have stood up and said something way before and also could have stood up internally. Like they could have done yeah, something and it didn't need to become a public thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. Zola said when the meeting actually happened, it was like this. She there was a rundown of it somewhere, but the, you know, Adam Rappaport came out and was like, "Oh, there's this thing." By the way, I'm really sorry about it. And then when she was like, "You should resign," he was like, "Oh, uh, maybe I don't know." Uh, and she really had to like, she had to actively, she had to be like, "Does anyone else like have any any thoughts on this?" And and no one said anything. And then when I she know, actually, yeah. then when she actually called out, she was like to the white chefs like. Do you have thoughts on this? Then they came out and were all like, "Oh yeah, no, actually, you should you should step down or whatever." But like, I think I think mm. as well from like uh, Condé Nast know perfectly well, and this is not my opinion. I've sort of co-opted this from a bunch of different people, but it's it's true. It's like they know perfectly well that they're doing just enough to keep some of the hipsters that are going against the show or, well, well, no, let's not say hipsters. Let's just say decent people or whatever. But like, (laughs) even if they didn't do anything, even if they didn't fucking mention it once or actively came out and said, yeah, it's good that we're racist. Most people, like most of the millions and even billions of people that watch the show have no idea that any of this happened and will just keep watching Mm. it. There's, there's, there's that many people that aren't super fans on, on Reddit or even just people that know what's going on that that just would be like, oh, they stopped producing content for a little while. Brad's back. That's great. You know, like th- Dude, they- that's actually such. A, I haven't even thought of that. I know, the fact so that just, that's the bubble. But yeah, no, of course, there's their, a bunch their of view count like, like has yeah. not waned, and maybe it's because people are intrigued. But I, you know, like I think they yeah, know. I think it'll be interesting well. to see what happens in the next like as their as their output becomes a bit steadier to see like how much of a re- like how much engagement they get yeah yeah for sure. and and the cynic in me like says i don't think there'll be any fucking difference like maybe a yeah. couple hundred thousand mm. you know yeah but yeah. hey i think like and again like this is kind of i feel like tom and i have kind of changed um 
positions from when we talked about this last week because I was very much being like, no, they're doing really good things. Like, this is a good thing. And now after I've read everything, I'm like, no, they're not doing anything. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, I haven't, I haven't changed you... positions. I'm, I'm the, I'm, I basically haven't changed my opinion about anything. Oh, okay. Well, well, my opinion has drastically changed. <laughs> yeah. But because I guess I just did the research. Like, because I – had not followed it at all. Like I kind of just heard from people and I just never bothered to look into it because I don't follow Bon Appetit. Like I watched some videos with Zeb and that's about it. But now that I've actually like looked into it and done like a bunch of research, I'm like, nah, like kind of at the end of the day, yeah, it's good. And it's, I guess, what's the word publicly showing a good and positive change. But I think internally and like genuinely, I don't think there's much of a change going on at all. No, I, yeah. I think I think it. I think my opinion is, you know, Dawn Davis seems really cool, and and maybe some of these changes will have some trickle down effect that that could be positive. And um, yeah, definitely. But generally, no. I mean, like, I, but my my rage is maybe now a little more pointed towards uh, Condé Nast Entertainment yeah. and and Bon Appetit. And I'm still I'm disappointed in in Brad really and Andy Chris Morocco fuck him I'm disappointed <laughs> in them and I won't watch their content but it's it's definitely more like pointed at the the corporate than it was maybe at the beginning of the show yeah yeah, yeah. for sure yeah I think for me I think I'm kind of at a spot where I think that whatever changes that BA are trying to put forward. I think they're a good thing. Like the, I think inherently it's a good thing to try and grow from something, yeah, of, course. of course. But you are but the backing and like the fact that they exist in the yeah, the context of Conan Nast just means that they can't like it, it's always gonna be a little ingenuine and it's always gonna have that bad money behind it. Mm. Where, yeah. Which is you know, the case with anything where any like corporately like huge corporately funded sort of things where it's like eventually the money gets bloody, you know, if you follow yeah. it high enough and if it comes from somewhere that big. Mm. And so you can do all that you want, you know, forward facing, but then like behind the scenes, it's always going to have that really sketchy yeah. thing behind mm. it, which is a real shame because it really, yeah, it just takes away from the whole thing. Like I'd really love to be into BA because yeah, I agree with you like that. Yeah. Don Davis, she seems really cool. Yeah. I think that she, if, if she was the, the kind of the head of the whole company and they stood alone as Bon Appetit, Mm. It could become like something awesome, but it's always going to stink of Condé Nast now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, I know, yeah, it, or, exactly. it always has, but now we're, everyone's a bit more aware yeah. of it. Which sucks, though. Like, I think as like if we're just bringing it right back down to just Bon Appetit itself, I think they've responded really well, and I think that they're doing you know the best that they can in a very very horrible situation. But then when you tie in everything else that's a part of it. As I said, it's yeah, it kind of falls on its yeah. own. Yeah, or maybe that some of the so there are still there are still, and I'm not talking about the YouTube chefs. I mean, there, there's still people within the company that are switched on, always were, and have tried to remain to to do the right thing. And I hope that they're not sort of continued to be muffled. You know. Yeah. Well, that's that. Yeah. That's kind of anything though. Like as soon as yeah. you're involved in something. Like they're always the good people, <laughs> of course. Somewhere yeah, amongst yeah, exactly. yeah. the shittiness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it also yeah, and it sucks that like you know you have all these people that are that that, that are good that used to work for you. You know, yeah, you, yeah. like you could have had if you had just like if you had been a good company the whole time, you'd have probably a pretty like amazing collection of people because yeah. you'd have 
you'd have Dawn Davis and you'd have Sola and you'd have Alex yeah. Lau and you'd have Hunzi and you'd mm. have all of these people. And, and it's it, even from terms of even as like a cold reptilic sort of business perspective, <laughs> it there's there's an audience that like watch your show that want content like you know from other cultures and are interested in like equity and they're interested in like what some of these chefs that you've lost have to say and want to produce. And it's like they they're just they they've got all this sort of algorithm bullshit that that is fuel and you know obviously the systemic racism inbuilt in into all of these companies but it's like they 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 they're missing out on on like creating something that's both like not horrible and racist but also like they can still fucking make they can still make content yeah, make they money can still off get it, their yeah, view. yeah, yeah. Like, there's an audience that's they're, they're so also betraying their audience in like you know like uh yeah i don't know no, I completely agree. Um, it's so infuriating when you look at these like racist companies or like white centric companies. I'm like, you are literally like alienating yeah, such you, a yeah. fucking enormous audience. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you could be world. making so much fucking money if you yeah. just were more inclusive. I'm like, look think, at it um, on a business they, standpoint. They, they yeah. have these data. They have these like these kind of models based off like. You know these and and like this is kind of what Zola said about like in terms of them not giving like the people of color their own show. It's like it's a self perpetuating thing of like, oh yeah, well you know white people who were racist really like our show, so we got to keep you know like we've got to keep sort of appealing to them. But it's like it's because you're not trying to appeal to anyone else. You've got no data. <laughs> like there's no yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, like, yeah. How do you Absolutely. fucking know, dude? Like uh, oh. yeah, and it frustrates me. The, sorry, the one other thing about it that really shits me off is that. I think food has for quite a while in in subtle ways and in pretty kind of like overt ways been a pretty good vessel that people have used to explore culture. I think yeah, that's yeah. like why yeah, most people it's it's certainly why I engage in any sort of food like content like food TV and all that kind of stuff because I'm not really I don't care about food that much. Like, it's not like a passion of mine. But then I'll watch Anthony Bourdain or any. Yeah, I've eaten your pizza like toast. That. That's not true. Zeb is a chef. But yeah, like there's there's all of these shows that I, you know that I've really liked. Even something as simple as like Rick Stein, simple English dude, wa- like wandering around, mm. where it's like it's a perfect lens to look at culture through and explore mm-hmm. other worlds. And people have done it really well and really successfully before. Like Anthony Bourdain in particular, like he's made he made so much, so many so many shows, <laughs> and and yeah, people yeah. fucking loved him. And you know, obviously part of it's a personality thing, but then. I think a good chunk of it is just that, like, he had a way of, like, like looking at, at culture through food. And I don't mm. see why you would still think that that's, like, not a viable yeah, way yeah. of, like, of, sure. of producing yeah. like, food food content. Well, it's, especially yeah. when you are a food magazine. Yeah, shouldn't yeah. you know? Like, like why, why can on, I know guys. this and then you can't? It's, it's yeah, so yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. It's mad. It's mad. Like, oh. My, my, oh. Last, my last prevailing opinion on this whole thing is Carla Lali music is has a shit name. It's one of the worst names <laughs> I've ever heard. And, and you should I, I second I second this. Yeah, yeah. Carla <laughs> Lali music. Carla Lali music. Carla Lali music. Carla Lali music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, okay. okay. Well, should we I, do anything else to mention? Should we sort of do the wrap up stuff? Yeah. 
No, um, I don't think yeah. I have anything else. So I guess uh, you can. Yeah. So if you go on the website, <clears throat> you can find all of like our sort of, like each individual sources for, um, yeah, all of our research. And the website's yep. cowardspace.com slash opheads, no hyphen. No hyphen. No hyphen. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Okay, it's guys. Had a yeah. lovely chat. Um, we'll speak to you next week. <laughs> See you later, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I'm going to stop recording now for a second. How are you? Yeah.